Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. In 2018, extremism and national security reporter Ben Maku started following the rise of one of the most extreme right wing terror groups in the history of the United States a neo-Nazi organization known as The Base. And then, after following the group for a year, Ben got a call. The call came from an anti-fascist activist who claimed to have infiltrated the terror group. The infiltrator told Ben to meet up with him on a rainy night in an industrial part of Brooklyn, where they could listen in on one of The Base's recruitment calls. Basically, a job interview for being a terrorist. Would you also feel comfortable uh, in training and firearms? What is your ideology? So how did you hear about the base? Exactly. Thanks to this activist who'd infiltrated the group and his own reporting, Ben Maku was able to get unprecedented access to the inner workings of the base. Ben ended up reporting on this for the next three years. And in following the base, he found himself reporting on this larger phenomenon, the explosion of right-wing extremist groups in the United States. This is a literal neo-Nazi group. It's white supremacist. It's pushing for a race war to bring on the end of democracy. I think we got a lot of angry people who came back from those wars. While we were focusing on al-Qaeda and then ISIS, the federal government was completely ignoring this growing white supremacist movement at home. White supremacy, that's the problem. This is a hoax. It's a conspiracy theory used to divide the country and keep a hold on power. So just because January 6th was not a mass casualty event should not confuse us into thinking that the next thing won't be a mass casualty event. I don't think this is over by a long time. Oh, no. No, no, no. I mean, it's never going to be over. I'm Ariel Zimros. And I'm Ben Maku. And this is Vice News Reports. Ben, you recently launched a new podcast called American Terror, and it chronicles the history of the fringe right in the U.S. It also tells the story of your own experience exposing a modern neo-Nazi terror group. How the hell did you end up reporting on this? So initially, I found out about it as I was sort of looking at the far right and its extension into the world of terrorism vis-a-vis North America and Europe. Because I think at the time, if we look at something like 2018, the way people thought about the organization of terror groups, it was all about ISIS and al-Qaeda. It right. was sort of at the zenith of things like some of the ISIS attacks in, in France and in Germany. So I was really digging into this world, and this one name kept appearing online, Norman Spear. And it was this kind of bushy, bearded guy who was connected to these other organizations, one being called Adam Waffen Division, which was a neo-Nazi terrorist group here in the United States. It was connected to five murders. And he comes out with this idea or this group that he wanted to create called The Base. If you wish to break your dependency 
on the degenerate system, or at the very least, loosen its grip on your life. Join the base. So what's the deal with the base? Where does that name come from? What do they want? He called it the base for what he says was creating sort of a home base for the creation of an accelerationist organization. And accelerationism being this kind of like formerly left-wing ideology about trying to hasten the collapse of the U.S. government through acts of violence or of terrorism so that they could create a white ethnostate from its ashes. Mm, okay. And I think also it's interesting to remember that, you know, this is like during the rise of the far right in a way that, you know, at the time in 2018, people did not think that this was a major national security threat. Right, of course. I mean... Up until that point, the focus for national security was largely centered around the idea of extremism being, you know, something from other countries, right? Like ISIS or Al-Qaeda. Now, I think the thing that I want to ask you about is, you know, by the time you met up with this activist who gave you this exclusive access in 2019, you'd been reporting on the base for a year. So what was that experience like for you, you know, to finally meet up with this guy? It was it was nerve wracking, you know, and I, I'd known at that point that he he was he was safe. But, you know, he did show me at one point this this knife that he had been given that was this big, you know, combat knife, deer hunting buck knife style with, you know, the emblem of the base on it, which had been given to him by the leader, uh, Norman Spear, who had given it to him as a sort of a token of him being in the leadership of the group. So, you know, it was well, we knew this guy was in deep. So while you're in the car with this guy, this informant who's contacted you, while you're listening to this call, what are you hearing? What are the members of the base talking about? So they're they're talking to a potential recruit about how you know almost how much of a Nazi he is, what he's read. Okay, so let's get back to your kind of uh, journey, as you said, to, to to reach this point. Frankly, I I started off as a libertarian because, I mean, when you're 18 and when you're kind of young and dumb in the area I grew up with, I mean, you're fed this this notion in public schools and it's really rammed down your throat that all the races can get along. Asking about his weapons experience, whether he was in the military. Would you also feel comfortable uh, in training and firearms side of the house? Yes, I've got I've got over I've got well over 20 years of experience in that. Um, I'm a distinguished expert in pistol uh, with the NRA. His religious denominations. I was raised Methodist. Uh, I converted to Catholicism in in, co- in college. They asked about his racial background. What is your uh, ethnicity? I'm white, completely. Can you, can you break that down? Uh, on my mother's side, we are uh, British and Irish, uh, and on my father's side, we are German and Dutch. So it was a lot of really kind of illuminating stuff. It was sort of a real peek behind the curtain of not only neo-Nazis, but a terrorist group. Wow. I mean, I guess that's not super surprising, but, you know, at the same time, what is unbelievable is just this audio that you have, right? You have this incredible inside view on internal meetings for a neo-Nazi group. Yeah, we have, I mean, we had, I think it's something like 80 hours of of recordings wow. of this stuff. And, wow. you know, it's a, it's a real sort of portrait into 
how these organizations in the US and, and abroad as well really operate and what they're looking for and how they how they create, you know, ideologies within themselves. So you hear about this organization, you start following them, then what happens? So we start following them, uh, we start getting information, you know, they started plotting assassinations, they started plotting uh, hmm. mass shootings, they started really kind of becoming a bona fide terrorist organization. And, and, you know, of course, we were the ones that first exposed them and what they were doing, but they got worse. And what I realized was the FBI really was onto them. And I'd known this from a, uh, for a little while. At one point, I'd gotten visited by the FBI in January 2019. So I knew that the FBI, and they, they'd come to my house because of uh, some threats against me uh, by the base. So I knew the FBI was aware of this group and cared about it. You know, lo and behold... By January 2020, I woke up to the FBI raiding several of them. Now to other news, new arrests investigators say are tied to what authorities describe as a neo-Nazi group. Law enforcement around the country have been put on alert by the FBI, Homeland Security, and the National Counterterrorism Center. And it was stuff as shocking as a cell in Georgia that was planning an assassination of uh, an anti-fascist activist. This Friday, three men are under arrest, accused of being part of an extremist group plotting to murder a couple in Bartow County. There was another cell in Maryland that was planning a mass shooting of a, of a gun rights rally in order to, what they thought, incite the race war, incite the second civil war. Federal prosecutors said today that the suspects were caught on camera talking about killing people, poisoning water supplies, derailing trains, and starting a civil war. They thought that that would set stuff off. They also planned to derail trains. There was talk about poisoning water supplies. It's just a really pretty absurd and insane stuff. Okay, so you start reporting on this organization in 2018. In 2019, you get this unbelievable treasure trove of recordings of their internal meetings. And then by January of 2020, you have the FBI raiding some of these people's homes, raiding their bases where they're, they're meeting, and presumably bringing charges against them? Yes. And, and it didn't stop. It, it kept going. I mean, they there were more, because the thing is, there was at its zenith or at its height, the base was about from our counting 60 members deep. So, and, and this was largely all over the United States. There was a lot of guys that were everywhere. And when you had these two big takedowns, both in Maryland, Virginia, and in, in Georgia, and then in Michigan, the, the arrests kind of kept coming and they slowly dismantled this group entirely or so we thought. So wait, are they still around? You said, or so we thought. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the other thing I know now is that the base hasn't gone away. Uh, I know that they're, they're, they are far more secretive than they were before, I think, because of the reasons that, that they were taken down. But they still maintain a presence. There is apparently a number of members. My last count, they had at least 15 people. I don't think they have the same cachet or the same strength that they once did. But, you know, they're still around. But the major characters of it are gone and they're behind bars. Including their their leader, Norman Spear? No, so Norman Spear was eventually revealed. He was doxxed and he his story is particularly interesting. Uh, and he's somebody that I've been following for a long time. And throughout our reporting, we always heard him talking about being a contractor for the Pentagon. 
in the war on terror. And he had served in Iraq and Afghanistan. And he was revealed to be this guy named Ronaldo Nazaro, who lived in Russia with his wife and daughters and was a former Pentagon contractor. Now, I was able to go dig even deeper through my own sources and find out that he was not only a Pentagon contractor, but he'd worked for the U.S. Special Forces and was a targeter, which is to say creating lists and trying to target terror suspects, locating high-value targets for the U.S. military during the war on terror. So he wasn't a member of the military, but he was a military contractor doing soldier-type jobs, which is kind of a weird technicality. So this is somebody who had a deep knowledge of how terrorist organizations work, how insurgencies worked, and then went out and was trying to create, uh, very clearly trying to create the same thing that he had been fighting for years. Not only that, he was very interested, and in his own words, he was looking for people who had served in the military or were serving the military for their military tradecraft to then teach it to others within the group. So he, now, he's at large. He's still in Russia. What I do know is the FBI has an open case against him, and there was there was several others that had a military connection. So what does that tell you about the way that terror groups come together in the U.S.? Well, I think the one thing it's definitely told me, and it's some, something in, I'm digging into in my own reporting for this podcast, that the war on terror has not only created you know, the, the most veterans since World War II, I believe, but also it's created a number of people in the military with war experience. And something that I've learned is that that usually coincides with historical trends and extremism, that every time the U.S. has major wars, extremism domestically skyrockets. That's after the break. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidt af alle de der podcasts og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel. 10 before the break you were talking about members of the US military being radicalized and I've heard about this being a problem before but I guess I'm wondering how big of a problem is it actually like does the average person need to be worried about this No I I think it absolutely is an issue uh, it's something that I think needs to be looked into and there's clear evidence for it and and not only just evidence now there's just historical evidence for this to to, to really understand how how 
this goes all the way back to the the Civil War. I mean, the Ku Klux Klan was first created by a number of Confederate veterans. And right. this was something that, that is not new to the American experience. I mean, and, and again, I think one thing I want to say very clearly off the top here, the vast majority of U.S. servicemen and women or veterans are not extremists and never engage in extremist activities. But the, mm-hmm. the thing is, is that when these veterans or service members end up engaging in extremist groups, they play a very outsized role inside of them because of things like their military tradecraft. They know weapons training. They understand how to build bombs. But it's not only that, it's the fact that veterans tend to also create an air of legitimacy to groups. Like, look, look what we got. We got like an ex-Marine. This guy knows what he's doing. We're really going to take down the U.S. government. We're really going to like do some shit. So this is something that when it comes to extremist groups, it's traditionally been, they've been valuable targets to have inside. Now, in following January 6th, I think the count right now, a study says that at least 151 people who were involved in the January 6th attacks had military backgrounds. Investigators have revealed that dozens of the mob that stormed the Capitol on January 6th had ties to the U.S. military. By NPR's count, nearly 20% of people charged in connection with the attack and rioting are veterans. Following that, not only did the Biden administration make it really clear that they wanted to sort of root out extremism within federal workers uh, and the federal working, working population, they, I mean, it was pretty clear that the Pentagon needed to do something. So for the first time ever, and it's really unprecedented move, the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, uh, issued a stand-down order to for the entire U.S. military, every single branch. Secretary Austin issued some guidance to the force about the directed stand-down that he ordered to, uh, to address the issue of extremism in the ranks. To look on its problem with extremism. Specifically, he had directed commanding officers and supervisors at all levels to select a date within the next 60 days to conduct a one-day stand-down with their personnel. Now, stand-down is kind of a little bit ridiculous by the sounds of it, because it's basically just telling soldiers to, like, stop what they're doing and think about what the problem is they're being directed to think about. But the bigger thing, I think, here is that it was sort of an open admission from the Pentagon that this was a problem. Now, since the Department of Defense has rolled out a bunch of initiatives to try to sort of to, to combat this issue, but there's definitely been some political pushback. What kind of pushback? So you have something like the Senate Armed Services Committee, when they were sort of validating the 2023 budget, a bunch of GOP senators wanted to direct or have voted to direct the Pentagon to halt its investigations and its research and money into counter-extremism efforts. I would categorize this hearing as total nonsense. It is not about white supremacy. It is about woke supremacy. It is about converting the military from an apolitical institution to an institution controlled by the political left. Which is, you know, goes against everything experts have been saying, analysts, people within the military themselves. And you really see how this is like a, a politicized issue. It's very clear the FBI even understands this to be a problem, and they're concerned by it. Right. You're seeing the GOP politicize something that is statistically and, you know, verifiably 
to the professionals that know about this say that this is this is an issue but it's being it's being blocked because you know it makes great fox news fodder this my friends is a purge a purge of the defense department led by a new and now powerful radical leftist to, to turn it on the democrats and say like you think that all of these veterans and service members are you know are, are hardworking u.s veterans and u.s service members who protect this country care about this country, you think they're all terrorists or they're all neo-Nazis. A man who believes all, all Trump supporters are racists and extremists. And what must we do to racists? We must define them and then we must purge them. You know, it's, it doesn't play well. Right. So people have really strong feelings about this. But this phenomenon of having, you know, some former U.S. service members partake in terror groups in the U.S., like, how far back does this actually go? Like, when did this start? Like I said, it goes back all the way to the Civil War. And it happens every single major war. The American-Spanish War, there's a huge influx of extremism. World War One, you see another, and the birth of a nation that the, the, this basically the first U.S. blockbuster ever, and it was about the Klan. And World War One to World War Two, But one of the major turning points is the Vietnam War, and I think it's for a few different reasons. One, it's it's this sort of extremely modern war where men are, are using extremely modern weapons. For it seems now more certain than ever that the bloody experience of Vietnam is to end in a stalemate. And you're just seeing just this extreme level of violence, like napalm and, you know, death mm -hmm. squads and things like this. And also, you're seeing the U.S. service members engage in a war against the Viet Cong, the sort of insurgent organization that, you know, is able to hide under jungle canopies and are not, like, uniformed enemies. You see people that are dead for nothing, and you see people who are going to spend the rest of their lives maimed, you know, with foot missing or a leg missing or maybe two legs. And you just ask yourself, what's it for? What, what did this man's life accomplish? Right. Fights in a completely different way. It fights in a completely different way. So what happens is when this class of U.S. service members come back, these veterans come back, their ideas of war are very different. It's much more this camo-clad stuff. It's the idea of being a paramilitary organization. And a la Viet Cong or something that they'd fought just like that. So what you see is sort of they put the robes down and the burning crosses down as a key tool in how they express their extremist violence, and they start becoming paramilitary groups. And this is when you see the rise of militias. You see the rise of groups like very similar to the base, one called the Order. It's, it's an underground terrorist organization. You have figures like Louis Beam, who was a, a Vietnam War veteran, who was a Klansman, then ends up being part of these the same sort of cabal of underground neo-Nazism and, and paramilitarism. So another guy named Glenn Miller, same thing. It just completely changes it. And that is sort of what becomes the archetype that we're now seeing today. So you see, when you look at something like the, the three percenters and the Oath Keepers and how militarized they are and how they get together and they, they do almost training camps and the base wow. and Adam Waffen Division, that's, that's the roots of all this. So Ben, you've been reporting on homegrown terrorism for almost five years now. Mm-hmm. What do you think people need to understand about this issue? 
What are people missing that we haven't already talked about? The question I always get is like, okay, so who joins these groups? And it's all, I think people really want a, a magic bullet. They want on a this. profile, like, right? They want a profile. And so before this, I covered ISIS really extensively. And I was in touch with a lot of ISIS fighters uh, who came from uh, quote unquote Western countries. So North American and Europeans, Australians, people from New Zealand, things like that. Mm -hmm. And the same thing applies to them as applies to the people who join these groups. It's really like every type of person or every type of young angry men is what I always like to say. Every type of like 18 to 30 year old man who doesn't feel happy or fulfilled, that type of guy and some of them are, end up in these groups. And that includes the sociopath, that includes the intellectual, that includes the like incel right. guy who thinks he can't get a date. That age range, when they're young, angry men, uh, that I think is the most susceptible. And I think it has a lot to do with how our society is looking at these types of people and what they what they are perceive themselves to need from us. And I think that they feel let down in some way. It's not just, you know, the nerdy guy in the basement or the, the super sociopath. It's kind of a whole range. One thing that's uniting all of these groups is sort of misogyny, uh, which is something I think that is also kind of forgotten at times in that all these groups, even ISIS included, you know, it's, all of them are like, this is like a deeply conservative point of view, right? And it's about you being the man and women being these sort of baby makers and that you're, you need to find an Aryan woman to do this. And it kind of like the mm -hmm. rage and anger, a lot of it comes from that, this sort of like mm -hmm. expectation of what you deserve and who you are and what your role is in society. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for having me. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider træt af alle de der podcast og forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel. You can hear more from Ben Maku, including his exclusive interview with the founder of the base, where Ben checks him on his lies on the podcast American Terror. The show is out now. Listen to it for free only on Spotify. Vice News Reports is produced by Sophie Casis and Adriana Tapia. Our senior producers are Jesse Alejandro Cottrell, Julia Nutter, and Janice Humoka. Our supervising producer is Ashley Peter. Our associate producers are Steph Brown, Sam Egan, and Adriana Rodriguez. Sound design and music composition by Steve Bone, Pran Bandy, and Kyle Murdoch. Our executive producers are Adiza Egan and Stephanie Karayuki. For Vice Audio, Annie Aviles is our executive editor, and Janet Lee is our senior production manager. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasulka. Our theme music is by Steve Bone. I'm Ariel Zimros. If you like what you heard, 
please take the time to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really does help other people find the show. Vice News Reports drops every Thursday, so be sure to check back in next week. Thank you.